Hello mortals, this is Miss Charlie, and you're listening to another episode of The Babes of Valhalla. Content may not be suitable if you are underaged, closed-minded, or immature. We discuss topics that are graphic and sexual in nature. Hello, everybody. I know it has been a moment, and I am sorry. Anybody who was waiting for another episode that just didn't come out, <laughs> we, we, uh, we are very sorry about that. But here we are with another episode in mid-October, and we get to talk about something that I personally love and am so excited to talk about, and that is horror. Ooh. Yes, I love horror. I love horror movies. I love horror books. I love horror podcasts. <laughs> it generally makes me very happy. So I wanted to do a little episode on what makes horror sexy because I feel like since the beginning of horror, horror was sexy. If you think about the first Frankenstein movie or the first Wolfman movie, they were very gothic, very romantic and and dark and moody and uh, lots of grand gestures and, and I love it. It's fantastic. And Although it's not exactly the same as it was, there's still a lot of that um, dark romance in horror movies. Now, sometimes it's a little bit more graphic or a little bit bloodier or a little bit more complicated, but I love the dark romance. I love the gothic horror, and uh, that is what we're going to be looking at today. Sexuality plays a huge role in horror, and uh, I could probably make a whole podcast just on the intersection of sexuality and horror and all the different ways that they uh, they intersect. But that is not for today. Today is just looking at uh, what makes us go ooh when watching a spooky movie. So what is horror? I thought it would be fun to start this uh, episode off by giving a little definition. Well, I guess it's kind of like a definition. Um, I read this article called The Philosophy of Horror by uh, Noel Carroll, and it's very interesting because the whole article is really analyzing what is horror, because horror can really mean so many things, and there's so many things that uh, don't fit neatly into a box, but by the end of the article, more or less, they've really narrowed it down to horror is something, you know, within the genre that is threatening and impure. Interesting words, right? Threatening and impure. So impurity can come in many forms, from ghastly creatures to tainted thoughts and tormented bodies. But right from the get-go, hearing the word impure immediately makes me think of the human body either being changed, invaded, or invading. You have to have the threatening element. It can't just be impurity. So impurity can just be something that is gross or 
outside or ghastly, but you need the element of threatening. You need the element of fear to really make that impurity um, elevate itself to the title of being a horror subject. So I love those two things together. And impurity is such a, is such a fun word because uh, in the article, it really goes into, you know, a ghost is like an impure form of the human body or uh, a serial killer is an impure form of the human brain or human thoughts. You know, people shouldn't think about murder or, you know, an alien invading your body like uh, like an like the movie Alien uh, is like an impurity within your in, within your blood, you know, changing you on like a a biological level. So um, I really like that definition. So uh, impurities, and also talking about impurities and sexuality, I think sexuality is so fun as far as impurities go because. Uh, in a way, sexuality, you know, when you think of the word impure, it also makes you think of somebody who's being promiscuous. So impurity can also, in a way, refer to how somebody is dealing with their sexuality, if they're dealing with it in an impure way, and does that lead to a whole nother level of evil? Uh, things for us to talk about here on the episode. But <laughs> why do we find horror sexy? Why? What is it that makes it such a sexy thing? I remember the first time I was watching something scary and I thought, oh wow, that's really hot. (laughs) So I guess maybe for most people this wouldn't be scary, but when I was in fifth grade, I was watching Phantom of the Opera and, um, Maybe not scary, but he was definitely a bad guy. He was definitely a villain. And he kidnaps Christine. He kidnaps the hero. And he pulls her into the basement. And he's kind of brainwashed her. And then he threatens, if she doesn't come with him, that he will murder her fiancé. And uh, I remember thinking it was kind of scary. And also, like, very uh, titillating. Very exciting. Like, I kept wanting to watch that scene where he has her her fiance like strung up and he's like choking him out and um he's like you better come with me or I'm gonna kill him and she's just like oh no oh no very much going back to that once again that's like very romantic gothic dilemma of love and eternity and horror and ghastly monsters um and then the next couple of movies after that like maybe getting into junior high was uh Hostage and Red Eye, um, both more thrillers, but Hostage has uh, one of the characters, played by Ben Foster, uh, is holding this family hostage, and you realize that he's much more um, murderous than any of his other companions realized, and he's pretty much ready to like kill everyone, but he wants the daughter of this family to come with him and he becomes like obsessive with her and it's like I'm gonna kill everybody else but you you're gonna be with me forever and I remember thinking that was um scary and kind of hot and then Killian Murphy in Red Eye um he needs something from uh the main actress 
Rachel McAdams. He needs something from Rachel McAdams. So he uh, like follows her. Well, he like captures her kind of like on this plane and is, is kind of playing cat and mouse with her the whole film to get this information. Um, these were both my first uh, exposures to a threatening, scary situation or at least the villain of the piece also being a very attractive character um, even though they were still evil and psychotic. Um, so what makes horror so sexy? Uh, we're going to be looking that into three sections but first I wanted to talk a little bit about a few articles that I found on horror and sexuality and our fascination as humans with watching horror. Uh, the first one is an article that talks about um, the actual physical effects of horror movies and other horror attractions. Dr. John Mayer, seriously, um, who is a psychologist, um, was explaining in this really awesome article uh, called... Here's why you actually love being scared. And he was saying that well, when you experience fear in a haunted house or in a horror movie, your body initially reacts the same way. So very first thing that happens is you uh, have this big fight or flight um, reaction that comes up and then your body is flooded with hormones. Well, as you know, when you're in a movie or when you're in a haunted house, there's nothing that's actually uh, threatening. So almost immediately after your body like floods itself with hormones, it kind of shuts off the part of your brain that's telling you that there's an immediate um, threat. But you are left with the fear. You do still experience the fear. You just don't experience that fight or flight threatening feeling. Um, and, but you also have a rush of dopamine all over your body. So you're kind of left in this weird in-between place where you're experiencing a lot of the same uh, chemical reactions that would make you feel excited or um, excited or aroused. Not sexually aroused, but just like you are emotionally aroused and your senses are all peaked. Um... And at the same time, you're also experiencing this fear. So it's this strange dichotomy of two things happening at the same time, which is often why when there's a jump scare or something jumps out at you in a haunted house or something surprises you, um, you'll scream and then you'll laugh. It's because it's just like this overwhelming sense of like both of those things at the same time and your body also like reassuring you like, no, it's okay. There is no threat. It can be scary, but there is no threat. Um, so that is an actual uh, physiological response of why some horror is sexy in a way is because we are we are experiencing this safe feeling of like fear and excitement and adrenaline um, and dopamine uh, while also watching all these like, you know, intense scenes that maybe we would never want to be in ourselves but are are kind of exhilarating to watch um the other thing is there's an article by megan pillow called horror lives in the body 
where she discusses how horror helps us put ourselves into scenarios we have been in and need to process or have not ever been and want to experience in a very safe environment. So obviously we don't want to put ourselves in the shoes of every character in a horror film, but there might be a horror film sometimes where you're watching it and it's a way for you to experience what that scenario would be like by kind of sitting back and watching it through the eyes of somebody else. So maybe there is like a dark, you know, sexual desire that you've been thinking about and you can watch it in a very safe space where you're in your house or you're somewhere really safe and comfy and you know that everything on the screen is fake with actors and you can experience all these scenarios and kind of play through them in a very comforting environment. Those kind of go into like the mental, emotional uh, reasons how we can, you know, find those things alluring and attractive. Um, But in the next three sections, I want to look at three different scenarios or archetypes of, of characters that are sexual in horror movies. So we're going to be looking at um, the prey, the predator, and then I don't really know what to call this third category. It's kind of like the prey predator. It's the person, it's the, it's the werewolf of the group. It's the person that changes from the prey into the predator. But I have cute little titles for each section, so you'll see as we go along. Section 1 We're going to call this section The It Girl Or The It Guy Or The It They Them Whatever you want But this is about the victim It's what's alluring about watching the victim And it's about just like thinking about Rachel McAdams in Red Eye It's about a character's obsession with the victim Um, so we're going to start this section off by talking about the concept of the final girl. So the final girl is a girl in horror movies, usually slasher films, who is destined to make it out alive. Um, the rules of the final girl have been explained in multiple horror movies. There's one of my favorites, and not very well-known movie called Behind the Mask of Leslie Vernon. They talk about the rules of the final girl. They probably talk about it in Cabin in the Woods, and they definitely go into it in Scream. So the final girl is a virgin. The final girl is, you know, a good moral person, and she is going to go through this transformative process of, of making it through a series of grisly murders of all of her friends and by the end she's going to be able to transform into the hero she needs to be to slay the villain to kill you know freddy or michael or whoever so why i consider the final girl kind of like the it girl the girl who's in a way safe is because 
we already know that she's gonna get away in the end that's that's her role her role is to be the the transformative she starts as the larva and at the end she's supposed to be this like kick-ass butterfly and so in a way when we're watching movies that have an it girl they have a final girl there's something alluring about that cat and mouse game between her and the main killer because it's almost like the main killer knows you know he can't he can't kill her she's the one who's going to defeat him at the end actually in the movie behind the mask of leslie vernon it's a horror mockumentary that interviews this man leslie vernon as he's preparing for his yearly killing spree it might even be more than yearly it might be like a a wider range of time but doesn't matter but he explains how he hopes that she defeats him because that is what that's the purpose he is serving he's he's serving the purpose of being the catalyst for a transformation so he knows he's never going to touch her in this film specifically he calls that out and he's hoping that that how he murders all of her friends and in the different situations and in where they're murdered and how they're murdered it's going to give her that power and the symbolism she needs to like rise up and take the power herself um i was listening to another podcast oh shoot i cannot remember what it was where they were also clearly calling out how in halloween the original halloween movies with michael myers how it first created that phallic symbol of like the man holding the knife trying to kill the woman and then like her turning around killing him and her like rebirth so it's like the phallic and vaginal counterparts um but also in leslie vernon they talk about the the the, her going through this like birthing canal and (laughs) emerging as a new reborn woman on the other side so so that's fun (laughs) i i do think that's fun i think that's a great great uh you know thing to talk about is 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 that but anyway let's see the thing to me about the final girl that's so alluring i think is the same thing like so in serial killer movies obviously everybody around them is getting killed but they are being spared. So in a lot of ways, it's almost like the kidnapper movies where they kidnap you and tell you that you're special and you're the only one that they want and everybody else can burn. And that that tension between something that's so dangerous to everybody else but not to you. Like there's always like you are above it. You are safe within it. And I think probably as a viewer, as an audience member, it also makes you feel a little bit relaxed because you know you can identify with this woman and she's going to make it through to the end. And then I think that just comes back to the whole idea of, you know, it's kind of hot for people to think you're the one and only, you know? It's like uh, vampire movies where they find one person and they just want to feed on them and it's like that gluttonous act of like you're the only one and I need you and like either I need you to survive and kill me or I need you to be with me forever and I think that that is very sexy and very alluring so even if there's no sex with her 
with this woman because she is, especially in the final girl scenario, she's a virgin. It's not about that. It's about the, the sexual tension that is raised between her and her pursuer where she's just always out of reach until she kills him. So that's, yeah, that's a good one. So that is uh, the obsession, the it girl, the final girl, whatever you want to call it. But that idea of, of the safe victim that we can identify with and that we get to watch this game of cat and mouse uh, between these two opposing forces of light and dark and how at the end, you know, she kind of turns dark for a moment so that she can, she can kill him and save herself. That's sexy. All right, moving on. The next one is all about the predator. So I call this sexy beast. Um, these are the movies where the villains are really the center point of the sensuality. A large part of sexy beasts is not just the fact that they're beastly, and the beastly can be in the body, in the mind, in the soul, you know, it can be depraved in so many different ways, but um, it's about them also being hauntingly gorgeous in some way. Maybe it's the way they speak, it's the way they deliver their lines, it's their level of intellect or their level of animalistic hunger, or it's the way that they dress is just this beautiful, exquisite, you know, think of that with them. Like, you know, usually when there's like a, a beautiful young witch who's seducing uh, somebody, they're usually just wearing like gorgeous, beautiful clothes and they look just so beautiful. They're irresistible. They're, you know, the devils in disguise. They're, they're tricking you down their path and, and, and it works. It absolutely works because um, I think knowing that they are dangerous and gorgeous, that that combination makes them more alluring. Like knowing that something can be so beautiful and also so deadly, uh, I think is a huge part of the attraction. And for me, I automatically think about vampire movies. So unlike serial killer movies, vampires are... Uh, they're not trying to, they're not trying to just like show up and prove a point and disappear. This is like a lifestyle. They've relaxed into this eternity and there's this flair and this, uh, this slothiness to the way that they interact with the world around them. Maybe not slothiness, but it's, a uh, languid. Yes, this like languid way of interacting with everything, so really tapping into that gothic horror where it's very moody, very dramatic. It's about the slow seduction. It's about the slow deaths. And every once in a while, you know, they'll, they'll pull a quick one and there'll be blood everywhere. But then they come out and they're just beautiful, gorgeous creatures. And um, I love that about vampire movies. I'm a, I'm a big vampire fan. Like, good vampire movies, you know. Um, and, uh, and I love 
I love that part of their character. It's really about the sensuality of their character themselves. It's the gluttony of of feeding. It's the gluttony of being beautiful, of being vain, of of really indulging in every part of of life. Um, and also, if you're indulging in every part of life, there's probably a lot of sex in that too. So nudity um, and and just, you know, getting involved with everybody. <laughs> I think of the, um, like some of the scenes from Bram Stoker's Dracula where uh, uh, Keanu Reeves' character is being thrown to Dracula's brides and they're just kind of like loosely wearing like strips of fabric that just kind of like show their whole body and they're just like feeding on him in this dungeon and uh it's just very sexy it's very sensual even though that they're monsters they're still somewhere between like like beautiful and and grotesque and uh yes it's fantastic another scenario is maybe a character is struggling to keep their humanity. Uh, I think about this in vampire movies as actually as well. It reminds me of like Louis from Interview with a Vampire where he's trying so hard to be humane, but there's that beast inside of him that just wants to let loose and feed and be hungry and ravage things. Um, and other horror movies have that as well, where there is maybe a character who is a beast in some way it could be mental emotional or physical and they are trying to you know maintain that 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 craving within and uh lust lust is a perfect a perfect uh, catalyst to 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 tip them over the edge so as they engage in lust which is super carnal and animalistic and probably feeding into all those those needs inside of them their beastly hunger they're also like on that edge that of that tipping point the whole time like is this going to be what turns me into a monster or am I going to be able to reel it back in? And so that's also a very, keeping that tension between, between, uh, humanity and monstrosity, you know, that can be very, very alluring as a watcher. Or the last one is two beasts, uh, two, two creatures, two animals, or, otherworldly things that they could only be with one another because maybe they're the only two things depraved enough to be with each other or maybe they're the only two things strong enough to be together i think about underworld when she you know finally gets to be with with michael um he is human in the beginning but not for very long and uh you know they're kind of in between or um there's that scene in Buffy, <laughs> not really a horror movie, but I mean, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she and Spike are having sex, and they're like breaking this like old abandoned building, they're like throwing each other into the walls, because they can both handle it, and so there's like cabinets, and walls are breaking and busting, and but they can both take it, and they're like the, you know, only somebody else like a vampire could take that kind of like rough 
sexuality that that they're dishing out. And that is also very hot. That's also very sexy. All right, moving on to our last section. I call it Deals with the Devil. So this is a character that is maybe starting as innocent and transforming into something else. So usually our main character starts as a human um, and turns into a creature or maybe finds like that murderous streak within them or, you know, gets overtaken by by something else but um it's that idea that evil can grant power and often sexuality is seen as base and impure all on its own so uh what a great uh accelerant (laughs) to get in touch with evil but with uh sexuality I feel like we see this a lot in horror movies where as a character dives deeper and deeper into that beyond, into that great unknown, into the dark depths, their sexuality also becomes more wild. So you see naughty thoughts, you see seduction of people they shouldn't be seducing, you know, they're going after people they never would have gone after before they're being sexually promiscuous, they're masturbating, those are all kind of feeding into that, that wildness. Now, whether that wildness is Satan itself, or if it's just madness, or who knows what, but I feel like uh, that slipping from, from sanity into something else uh, is oftentimes accompanied with sexuality. Uh, like in... Um, black swan they use sexuality a lot to demonstrate her state of mind and as she is transforming mentally her sexual state is also transforming and we can see this through her her scenes uh natalie portman scenes with mila kunitz now some of these scenes if you've seen the movie they're even questionable whether they happened or not that's not really the point the point is is that that sexual uh creature is awakening inside of her as she shifts um oh i recently saw suspiria and sexuality is also used a lot to symbolize awakening um within that film it's not always a good thing you know sometimes their sexuality becomes wild uh sometimes it ends up hurting people uh, Nancy in the craft, she, as she gets more powerful, she wants to impose herself sexually onto, onto the the dude, and, uh, she ends up, does she kill him? I think she might kill him, um, and there's definitely many, (laughs) many scenes like that, where, where as the characters shift, they're, they're adjusting to this newfound hunger, which, you know, kind of talks about our last, our last one about sexy beasts where it's, it's about also balancing that hunger where are you trying to maintain a certain level of your humanity and do you know how to balance that? But, um, 
I would say most of our characters in film don't. <laughs> and that's maybe what makes it more alluring is, is this wild sex appeal and this wild desire that uh, they don't quite understand. So they're going to approach their partner or somebody like they usually do. But this time they have, you know, the, the wolf inside of them. They have the vampire inside of them. They have the witch. They have Satan, you know, and, and it, it takes over in this way, either, uh, harming the person they're with or transforming the person they're with or, or just enhancing their powers, just enhancing the, the user, uh, to a new level of, uh, of, of, of power, of evilness <laughs> or of whatever. Um, although this movie I don't find sexy, uh, it kind of reminds me of The Witch. So in The Witch, there is the witch in the woods, and she is naked, and uh, she kind of appears as the old hag, but then she also appears as like the young maiden, this beautiful young maiden at the same time. And um, this is kind of like, there there is a lot of sexuality, but I don't find the movie sexy I think it's supposed to kind of take uh, a very you know like when you look at sexuality in that way it, it strips it down to more of like the just like the um the mechanics of it not the allure of it it's like the mechanics of it and of, of the body instead of like, oh, wow, that's a naked body. It's more like, ah, oh, this is the tool she's using. Um, but the main character, Thomasina, is very young. And it doesn't really show her sexually. But at the very, very end, when there's like this, where Satan becomes more of a character, you see this shift in her presentation of herself. And... Uh, and it's like her her sexual self is 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 being liberated, um, and that that is definitely exciting. I mean, not in that movie, for me, uh, but I think in other movies it's that same concept of you're letting that that inner that inner power burst out of you. Mm, that's pretty hot. <laughs> I feel like I said that a lot in this episode. That's pretty hot. Yeah, it is. It's sexy. So I wanted to end this episode with a list of horror movies that I personally find sexy. So these are just movies that make me go, ooh, when I watch them. Um, and then I have a, a short list of suggestions from others, not necessarily things that I find attractive, but things that other people find attractive, or um, a lot of them I have not seen yet. So, but I I did ask a couple people for their lists so that I could, you know, build mine out a little bit more. So my list of sexy horror films that make me go, mmm, are Lost Boys, <laughs> always most vampire movies honestly underworld interview with a vampire ginger snaps and all the ginger snap uh sequels and prequels the babysitter gerald's game boxing helena 
Jennifer's Body and the Craft. Uh, now for some suggestions from others. Only Lovers Left Alive, which I still really want to see. Suspiria, The Hunger, Velvet Buzzsaw, The Perfection, Bram Stoker's Dracula, The Love Witch, Under the Skin, and this one is not necessarily a horror, but I know this is one of Miss Darby's uh, original, you know, heartthrobs the same way that I had a fan of the opera, Miss Darby had Labyrinth. (laughs) So I had to throw that one in for her because, you know, it's the first time you're seeing a villain and you think, wow, those are tight tights. (laughs) But uh, David Bowie's fantastic. And actually, David Bowie's also in The Hunger. That is a vampire film that I have not yet seen. Um, But uh, there is a little short list of sexy, saucy horror movies um please go on to our instagram and tell us what your sexy saucy horror movie suggestions are i would love 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 to hear what what you have to add to the list Alrighty, everybody, that is it. That is the end of our little episode. It's a very, very brief overview of just speaking to sexuality and sexy horror. I might do another one of these. I might not, I don't know. There's so much to be said on sexuality and horror considering sexuality is impurity and impurity is half the formula of horror so in the meantime to soothe your aching loins you can find us on instagram at babes of valhalla and if you'd like to email us or call us with an anecdote for an upcoming episode check out our social media for the themes we are currently researching and send your comments and stories to babes of valhalla at gmail.com we would love to hear from you until next time please always Stay nasty. Babes of Valhalla is written and produced by the Babes of Valhalla, otherwise known as your illustrious lieges, Darby and Charlie. Music provided by the musical genius, Gemini Genesis.